Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another mini-episode of Who You Got. My name is Dayton Hammond. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Now you may be asking, what is a bracket exactly? Well, a bracket or tournament bracket is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. In these special mini-episodes, special rules apply. First of all, is just little old me here. While there is no guest, I will still be talking through these matchups in a thorough and even-handed manner. Number two, unlike a full episode of Who You Got, we will only be debating four items here. That means two semi-final matchups and then a final face-off to take the crown. Thirdly, and lastly, there are no strict time limits on each round, but thankfully we have the man himself, Graham Zima, over here on the knobs to call me out just in case I start stalling out of sheer indecisiveness. So we have our three rules and infinite possibilities. So what topic did I pull from infinity today? Well, I'd like to talk about self-titled Weezer albums. Commonly referred to by the colors that dominate their cover art, Weezer has produced a grand total of six self-titled albums. The most recent two, Teal and Black, have been left off the bracket for pretty obvious reasons. Listening to most of the songs on these two albums uh, reveals very quickly why we're not even considering them as part of the conversation today. But we are talking about the blue, green, red, and white albums, and they're some of Weezer's highest creative peaks. Some even call them the best that alternative power pop rock has to offer. But which one sits the highest? Is it the classic beloved blue, or has a newcomer arisen to the occasion to dethrone it? The blue and red albums will square up in the first round, and the green and white will enter the ring in the second. The winners of each will battle for the title of the greatest self-titled Weezer album that ever lived. My name is Dayton, just like my name is Jonas, and this is who you got. Okay, so we're starting off with the Blue against the Red album, and honestly, any album that has to face off against the Blue album, released in 1994, is gonna have a tough time. Not only is this the perfect Weezer album in the eyes of many, it's a perfect album, period. I don't know anyone who dislikes this album. I wish I could say I knew somebody who had some sort of discrepancy with it, but literally everybody I talked to is like, yeah, that's a that, that's a fantastic rock album. It defined the 90s. And even people who aren't keen on Weezer's entire career recognize this as their one good thing. I love listening back to the album today because every single song on the album has become a hit in some capacity, at least in my own life. My Name is Jonas is one of the greatest lead tracks on an album in all of recording history, if I am can be so bold. No one else gets stuck in my head all the time. That melody is just infectious. The World Has Turned and Left Me Here was a favorite of one of my high school classmates, who is a drummer that I really looked up to, and I remember when I told him I loved Weezer, he mentioned this was his favorite song, and I went back home and I listened to it again, and I saw something new. It was really, really exciting. Then, of course, we have uh, Buddy Holly, the poster boy for nerd rock and great music videos, for that matter. All you Milwaukee fans out there, and a little bit of a Happy Days theme going on in that music video. Then we have Undone the Sweater Song, which is just a quirky, joyful song to listen to. Very, very fun and captures this unique sense of anxiety that I think is rarely captured in a lot of music, especially within the genre. 
Surf Wax America is just surf punk ecstasy. It's fantastic. That opening guitar lick gets me going every time. In the Garage is written for every 80s and 90s geek. Nice to have an anthem for those folks. Holiday is a sweet, grungy, and weirdly bluesy ballad fusion type thing. It's it, Take another listen to that one. That's a really unique piece, I think, on the Blue Album that often gets overlooked. I was a big fan of it when it appeared on the movie Accepted with Joe, what was that? Boy, that was Jonah Hill and Justin Long, yeah. And I remember when that came on, there was a little skate scene going on. It was perfect. It was a wonderful fit. And then, of course, we had the final track, Only in Dreams, which is the first song I ever learned on bass guitar, which, as you can imagine, means a lot to me. The Red Album, on the other hand, simply doesn't have this legacy. So let's ignore that for a moment and focus on what strengths it does have. And that mostly comes in the form of variety. There's the most styles Weezer has ever had on this album compared to any of the other albums that they put out. There's a little bit of punk on here, a little bit of doo-wop, a little bit of rap rock, a little bit of folk ballad things going on. There's even some choral elements to a few of the songs and more atmospheric, long, think-piece-type songs. It's really, really offering a cornucopia of everything that Weezer can do. And this all sort of comes together in songs like The Greatest Man That Ever Lived, which has a little bit of everything in it. It's a multi-movement, wild, crazy journey, and it's just to demonstrate the little bit of bravado that Rivers Cuomos is capable, capable of demonstrating. It's a wonderful piece, and I think if you take a listen to it, especially if you're not a diehard Weezer fan, you would never guess that they were capable of something like this. There's little elements of it that have an Aerosmith flair to it, a little bit of Green Day in there, even a, a, a little bit of boy, like, uh, you know, some of those older doo-wop groups that you might hear like a barbershop or something, you know, it's fantastic. It's really something else. And I think what's cool about the album is that classic Weezer is still here too. Listen to songs like Troublemaker and Dreamin' and you'll hear that distinct crunchy rhythm guitar. And then you'll see them tweak it a little bit with a little bit more sass and the lyrics and the way they, that Rivers pronounces the lyrics. Or maybe there's even some post-rock qualities with more acoustic guitar or shimmery filters on that guitar tone. And then, of course, we have Pork and Beans, perhaps the most famous song from the Red Album, with a wonderful music video tributing to many of the early internet celebrities, you know, Shoes, uh, the Tron guy, and the Numa Numa guy, Maya, he, you know, you'll look it up. Am I too old for this? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm dating myself a little bit, but it's a time capsule. Pork and Beans is a time capsule and a great song to boot. And I am, I have all these things considered. I have some love for the Red Album, but I, I don't think this ambition that they demonstrate through the multi-styles and everything is, is, is quite enough to overtake the blue. Ambition often leads to inconsistency, and boy, if anything, if, if I read it, the Red Album is anything, it's inconsistent. So this album really falls apart in the second half. The other band members start assuming some of the songwriting and the vocals on some of these songs, and it just isn't quite enough. It's not horrible, but it's not Weezer either. I think Weezer's really defined by Rivers Cuomo as that central voice, both literally and then on the page behind the microphone, and with the lyrics. So I, I, I think it really needs Rivers at the center. 
And at the end of the day, Weezer is very bold and vulnerable, brassy and self-deprecating and confident and repulsive all at the same time. And Rivers Cuomo really captures all that. So we need him. So Blue demonstrates that much better than the Red does. It's self-conscious to uh, an arguably dangerous degree. You think about Undone the Sweater Song. It's all about that sort of personal unraveling in social situations. I think moments like that really push the Blue Album to the top. And the Red Album doesn't quite have a moment like that. The Red Album sort of feels like, in the scope of Weezer's entire career, it feels like a signpost, sort of demonstrating all the different directions that Weezer could end up going as a slowly aging rock band. Blue, on the other hand, is a destination, a real place to be, a heart, a home, a core identity within their entire career. It, it's a place to revisit as opposed to a place to look for indicators of what Weezer might become. So with all that said, I'm going to move Blue on to the next round. Blue undoes the red and moves on to the final round. We have the second semifinal round. We have the green album going up against the white album. Let's get started here, shall we? So we have the Green album. This is Weezer's third album. It went to blue, Pinkerton, green. And it was a bit of a step back for me personally. One, Only one song is actually over three and a half minutes long. And that's the final track, Oh Girlfriend, at three minutes and 50 seconds. So not very long at all. Not a bad song, but this is a really fast-paced piece. Of course, just because there are a bunch of quick and punchy alt-rock tunes doesn't make it all inherently bad. This is, of course, where we got one of the greatest Weezer tunes of all time, Island in the Sun. I actually made a music video for this back in middle school using footage from my first hot air balloon trip with my family. I love that song, and it really captures that calmness of being out in the sunshine and spending time with people that you love. It has this real true island feel that would become a motif of Weezer's later career. We'll get to the White Album in a little bit. And of course, we have songs like Hashpipe, which still demonstrate that Weezer can rock. That riff, that solo, that chorus, it all hits super hard, demonstrating they still can do that. The rest of the album, though, man, it just falls a little bit flat. So... One thing that I think of when I try to listen to this album all the way through is this bit of Fred, Fred Armisen's. Fred Armisen, of course, you probably know him from SNL or Portlandia, but he had this great comedy special, one of my favorites of all time, called Comedy for Drummers. And in that special, he simply puts on jazz music for the audience. And he asks them, even participating himself, to just put their hand up when they check out mentally, when they just sort of let their mind wander and stop focusing on the music. It's sort of a great commentary on jazz music and how, you know, there's some sort of uh, sometimes arrogance, sometimes pretentiousness surrounding the genre, and this was just sort of an honest take on it. And I kind of feel the same way about the Green Album. Once the song Crab hits... I just sort of check out. <laughs> I can't focus. I can't distinguish the songs. I can't do any of the things I normally do with a Weezer album. And I can't attach stories to any of these. It just sort of uh, fizzles out into space. There's technically fine things going on in the album. There's just really a bit of edge lost here. Blue and Pinkerton, the two albums preceding this, really dug down and dredged up some nasty stuff that made for great art listen to Pinkerton again, even though it's not a part of the conversation today. 
boy, that's a nasty, weird album. And that really, that type of attitude, that type of mindset isn't here on the Green Album. It feels like Rivers Cuomo is sort of retreating behind his music as opposed to bursting through it. So, does the White Album succeed where the Green fails? Hell yeah, it does. So, the White Album feels like another anchor in the Weezer discography. I know this is the newest one. Maybe some people haven't listened to it or not nearly as much as they have the, the blue, green, and red. But really give it a listen. It feels like an intersection, a vertex of all their different styles and experiences that they brought together. It has a little bit of everything that they've tried since the Blue Album, but they've properly polished or left raw some of those elements where needed. A great example is the lead-off track, California Kids, which begins with literal lyrics about awakening, which seems very, very appropriate as Weezer returns to this type of sound. So, the guitar has a real exceptional drive as the song proceeds. The drums really fill the room, have that punch that they did in the Blue Album and Pinkerton, and Rivers is finally singing like he means it again. It's so exciting to listen to for any fans of the early Weezer albums. White doesn't exactly follow the same heaviness that Blue and Pinkerton do. In, instead, it sort of frolics in brightness and sunlight with really bouncy pianos, some hip-hop beats that actually fit quite well, and some really exuberant melodies. This is especially true in the pleasant and poppy song Wind in Our Sail, and in the triumphantly weird Thank God for Girls. That song, man, I remember when that single came out, and I didn't really like it at first. But then I realized how important the weirdness is to Weezer. We should always feel a bit uncomfortable or maybe even a bit confused with Weezer's lyrical content. That's where I really feel like they shine. Whenever Weezer, and uh, whenever Rivers specifically, sanitizes or censors himself, the band as a whole really falters. Knowing that, White really succeeds in comparison to Green really willingly embracing that weirdness. I think Green needs maybe more instruments, more layers, more styles, just more things thrown in there, stirred up and seeing what kind of nasty, weird stew that you get. And it honestly just needs a little bit more breathing room. I think if some of these songs were longer on Green, if they took a little bit more time to focus on their lyrical themes or maybe even some of the cool guitar licks that they have going, then maybe they would, it would see more success and more love from the community and folks like myself. Sometimes it just cuts itself a little bit short. So, White jacks up the Green Album and enters the finals. So, we have the final round just ahead here. It's the Blue Album versus the White Album for the title of the greatest self-titled Weezer album that ever lived. Okay, let's just jump right into the controversial opinion about this matchup. Don't worry, I'm not going to say the White Album's better quite yet. Uh, no. I will say, though, that the White Album has my favorite Weezer song of all time. It's not by much, but the song, the closing track on the White Album, Endless Bummer, it just inches ahead some of those older classic Weezer songs that I love and hold dear. It ultimately comes across as just this wonderful anthem for the doldrums of our late teens and early 20s. It taps into something that's sunshiny and stormy, rich and poor, heavenly and hellish all at once. 
It captures the really dreadful melancholy of a, a lingering summer, a summer that feels like it's going on too long, uh, with the whimpering romances of that summer, and a life that's maybe meandering in general. It begins with an acoustic ballad style, but it turns into this, what I can only describe as like a tragic campfire song. It's really brilliant. One lyric even says, Kumbaya makes me violent, one of my favorite lyrics of all time, and it pretty aptly describes the song itself. It slowly builds into a yearning guitar solo that spirals back down into descending licks on the guitar and then fills on the drums. It's a really brave way to end such an otherwise playful and cheerful album. It's a really bitter, lonely, emasculated song, if I can say that. It's It has this sense of really shedding one skin in maybe uh, a less than ideal way. And does all of this kind of sound familiar? Sure it does. It's Weezer. It's Weezer, warts, and all. And honestly, I think Weezer isn't Weezer without those warts. Unfortunately, I wish I could say differently, but the rest of the White Album doesn't really hold up with such immeasurable impact that Endless Bummer does. There's a song called Summer Elaine and Drunk Dory, and it's fine lyrically, but it has this sort of tense, strained force melody that doesn't really quite jive. Girl, We Got a Good Thing is maybe a bit too saccharine and cheery, especially for a Weezer song. It has its moments, but the chorus is sometimes a bit too much for me. And then, of course, we have Do You Want to Get High, one of the first singles off the album. It's trying maybe a little bit too hard to be old Weezer. I haven't heard too many people reiterate that sentiment, but... If you take a listen, it feels like maybe they're trying to cover the sound that they had back in Pinkerton. And so let's maybe try to talk about Blue Album's faults. <laughs> I don't know if we can, <laughs> because I don't think there are any, really. It's, I, I, this is one of those few albums when I can say, I would not change a thing. Usually... You could think, oh, I could, you know, maybe compose a, a little bit more compelling guitar solo. Uh, I don't really like that lyric word choice. I think something like this might be better, but I wouldn't change a thing. Every song builds in a perfect arc of really genuine tension. Every guitar solo or riff feels inherently expressive of the themes of the songs. Like, for example, Buddy Holly has this sort of bouncy, jaunty feel to it that has a little bit more of that classic rock feel to it. That's wonderful. And then, of course, we have Patrick Wilson on the drums, really supporting with powerful, powerful stuff without feeling too obnoxious or samey or even hidden behind some of the other instruments. And then, of course, we have Rivers singing his little heart out, it's guttural, and it's fun, and it's sensitive, and it's hilarious, often, all at once. Early Rivers is a front man that every musician who holds a guitar and stands in front of a microphone should aspire to. I mean it when I say this is a perfect album. Listen to it if you haven't already, or even recently. It still holds up, even if it was one of your favorites back in middle school, high school, college, whenever you first listened to it. If there's been some sort of gap, listen to it again. And you'll be taken right back to wherever you were, and you'll be appreciating the music maybe even a little bit more than you once did. The White Album is excellent in its own right and deserves attention, don't get me wrong. Don't write off the White Album simply because it isn't 
the Blue Album. This is something that really happens quite a lot within the Weezer discography. Because something isn't as good as the Blue Album or even Pinkerton, it's automatically dismissed. And that's kind of a problem because I feel like there's some people out there who might even like the White Album better than the Blue. I'm within the rules of who you got. I'm not saying necessarily that they should, but it suits a somewhat different taste. And if if nothing else, this show is about finding the right taste for you. And at the end of the day with the blue album, it's not often that I listen to something and have memories and opinions and stories to share about every single song that I hear. (laughs) Any album that has a single single that pulls off that type of weight is worth listening to. But the Blue Album has 10 of those. 10 of those things that do that. It is, for that reason, 10 times worth listening to, especially today. Perhaps expectedly, the Blue Album is the greatest self-titled Weezer album that ever lived. So, that brings us to the end of this mini episode of Who You Got. Perhaps that result was expected, but did you learn something new about these albums? Did you feel compelled to listen to them again? Did your evaluation of any of these four albums change at all? Are there any that you're finally going to check out after ignoring them? Let me know. I'd love to hear about it. I'm a big Weezer fan, in case you couldn't tell. And make sure you never miss an episode of Who You Got, mini or regular, by following Who You Got on Instagram and Facebook. You can suggest topics for the full episodes anytime. And then, you know, for these mini-episodes, we'll be considering entire brackets that you submit. If you have four things that you would like to determine the finest of, share those on our social media pages, and we'll take a look. As always, I look forward to seeing what you guys want to see me ramble on for roughly 10 to 20 minutes. Felt like we went a little long with this one. Not so many episodes. Then, of course, wherever you're listening, please leave us a review, a like, and share it with your friends. Five-star ratings are great, your thoughts and suggestions are great, and your friends and family listening in to Who You Got, boy, that's just the best. Thanks again for joining me on this mini-episode of Who You Got. My name is Dayton Hammond. We'll see you next time.